Welcome to Intern Pursuit Live, the show all about internships and how to survive them. This is Jerron. This is Isabella. And this is Andy. And joining us for this episode is Aubrey Gonzalez. How are you, Aubrey? I'm well, thank you. Outstanding. Now, coming up in this episode of Intern Pursuit, we are going to be talking with Aubrey. Uh, she's our guest for the Intern Spotlight later on. We're going to talk about some great leaders with her, some coolest things in innovation. We're going to talk about if training games can improve your memory and learning. And we may have some other things that we get to coming up later on as well. All right. So we want to give uh, social plugs. We want to make sure that we're letting you know how you can find us. On Facebook page, you can find us at facebook.com pivotbizconsult. You can find us at facebook.com internpursuit. And guess what, people? There is now a Facebook game. I mean, there's an intern pursuit game, and there's a Facebook page for that. So we also have facebook.com slash intern pursuit game. So you can find us on all of those channels. You can find us on Twitter, our uh at Intern P Game, our Pivot LinkedIn page, our Listen Live. So sign up for our show notes, and you'll be able to hit us up in the chat so you can find out how to get our show notes, and we'll be happy to share that information with you. You know, there's a little bit of a problem with the game. What is it? The music is too good. It is awesome, <laughs> I had it? the music on, and I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to leave the game up and have that as background music, because I really liked it. <laughs> that is nice to hear, and I know yeah. Sophie, who was our guest in week two, would like to hear that also. Yeah, it was really good music, so there's an issue there. Yeah. <laughs> kidding. No, it was really good. That is nice to hear. Thank you. But first, let's talk about our first sponsor, Canvas Starter Studio, an accelerator and co-working area. Cool co-working space to 100-plus companies. There we go. Working in areas of technology and supportive businesses. A healthy startup community doesn't exist in a bubble, and Canvas is working to connect startups to broader entrepreneurial ecosystems that will help them grow. You can find them at their website at canvas.org. Thank you, Canvas. Love Canvas. Such a cool spot. It is. Such a cool spot to work in and hang out and learn from others. and It's just a really cool community there, so well worth it. Yep. The new starters are getting ready to come in. They've uh, picked, and now there's not eight. They're going to bring in ten. Wow, that's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of people, yeah. Dad is, I'll, I'll have to swing by and check it out. That's going to be a lot of cool people They're there. They're supposed to come in next week. All right, so Aubrey Gonzalez, you work for Kempfer. <laughs> no, that? that's her last oh, name. Oh, your last <laughs> name. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I was like, oh, you know. So, so, who, so you are an association manager. And yes. What does that entail as an entire job? Well, I handle um, property management. Okay. Handling uh, property taxes and maintenance. Hmm. That sounds like a lot of numbers. Yes, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we ask you some questions here. Uh, we ask all of our, our guests these questions. I want to ask you about three leaders, either living or dead, on a global, local, and personal level that you deem to be extraordinary. So living and dead, living or dead on a global level, someone you deem to be extraordinary. Um, first, I would say um, on a personal level, I would say God is a good leader. Um, just for me personally, because he just sets so much good morals and standards, you know, how to live on a day-to-day basis. Um, another good leader for me would be Martin Luther King um, on like a social level. Um, because he brought a lot of awareness to, you know, a lot of, you know, things going on. Sure. So he changed 
a lot of things in historically. So he's a good leader for me as well. Um, local level. On a local level. Um, I would say, well, not really locally, but the governor, Rick Scott. Rick I Scott, think, all right. Yes. We'll think, call him local to Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done a great job, you know, turning a couple things around in the uh, Florida economy. Yeah, in the economy and, you know, even in social issues, the way that he's handling the Puerto Rico incident right now, I think he's doing a phenomenal job. Outstanding. Uh, Martin Luther King was also my choice when I was when I was in the hot seat. So <laughs> right there with you. So now we're going to define your definition of innovation. Oh wait, we didn't What's that? hear her personal, her personal leader. That was the one she started off with with God. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I that was the global one though. No, like, that was MLK. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Never mind. All right. Yeah. We can talk about God again. But I see God was first, so that's yeah. Cool. There you that's go. Cool. So. Yeah. So innovation, what does it mean to you? And uh, what is something cool that you've seen that's innovative? Innovation to me, um, I think it's, you know, a way of doing things differently instead of just following a straight line, you know, finding a loophole or a more creative approach. That's innovation to me. I like that. Mm-hmm. And what is something cool that you've seen that's innovative here recently? Um. I think just a change in cars, you know, compared to back in the day, compared to now, you know, some cars, they have like the anti-brake system. They can stop on their own. Um, you know, that's innovation to me. What about self-driving cars, driverless cars? Yes, that's definitely innovative. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that's like crazy. I don't know if I would trust getting in a car that I couldn't control. That just totally boggles my mind and scares me. I feel like at this point we have no choice. That's just the future. <laughs> but you you ride a bus and a train True. and you don't... Somebody else is driving it, though. But it's but not you and you're not them. controlling it. I know, but it, okay, then let me rephrase that. It's a human. There's okay. a human there. Okay, so... All right, I'll give you that. There's a human being controlling it. So you believe in the... Uh, that humans are less fallible than a computer. I think that a person can go and mess with that computer. This and is true. Then, mm-hmm. you know, we're all on a missile that's going to go and explode no matter where it is. So I feel like that can happen. There's a chance of that happening, and that is greater than the actual person that's driving whatever the vehicle is. So long as we don't have any distracted drivers. Yeah, yeah that's the big thing. <laughs> that they're that not, like, on their, on their phones. Everyone likes to text now. So. Yeah. You know what's going to be? They're not going to be on their phones. They're going to be driving on their phones in the car. Yeah. That's going to oh. be their interface now. <laughs> that could right be. There. Like, be, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of crazy. So, Aubrey, you were an intern, mm-hmm. and you have worked with interns. Yes. So you've been on both sides of that fence. What was your experience like as an intern? As an intern, it was very um, eye-opening because you see, like, the behind-the-scenes things that, you know, the normal public doesn't really get to see. So it was very eye-opening, and it was a learning experience. Where'd you intern at? I interned at Pivot Business Consulting. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So you saw all the the behind-the-scenes things at Pivot. Yes. Very. So we'll... We do ask a question, and it always gets fun when, when Isabella's in the room when I ask this question. <laughs> were you just thrown to the wolves, thrown to the fire, or did, were you given a ramp-up process, an onboarding process? Um, a little bit of both. Okay. <laughs> she had to, um, you know, cut the umbilical cord. And, sure. And, you know, I had to 
you know, learn as I go. You know, she couldn't give me the answers. You had to learn it. Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of people, that's the best way to learn. Yes. For people, make mm-hmm. the mistakes, learn from the mistake, and continue. If you make the mistake again and again, you're not learning from of it. Course. Different story. Mm-hmm. But if you learn, that's important. Yes. Yeah, she was empowered a lot. And then she, as she was developing throughout her internship, I'd say, okay, so these are the things that have to be done. You know, go through this. And how she went about that was a decision that she got to make herself. But it was really more of um, I didn't have to hold her hand. Mm -hmm. I knew that she had those leadership tendencies in herself, and she was very problem-solving oriented and very Mm task-oriented. So she could go through a lot of the figuring out how to make it happen. She was creative with those um, ability to solve the problems that I was presenting with. Oh, very good. Yeah. So on the other side of the fence, you've had interns. How has that worked out for you so far? Um, we, I guess we helped each other out, you know, where you were weak somewhere, you know, somebody else that was strong, they would help you and, you know, guide you. Kind of peer mentoring, right? Yes. I like that. <laughs> Definitely yeah. peer mentoring. We learn from each other, yeah. yeah. So now that you're working, what are some skills and lessons that you learned as an intern that are helping you out now in your daily, day-to-day job? Definitely, um, time management. I did learn that, and I still use that, like, every single day in my day-to-day job. Um, I would say professional skills and, you know, how to communicate effectively in the workplace. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that she was tasked with learning, she was working with me on a nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, and we ended up, we were focusing on fundraising. We were having to put together some sponsorship lists. She was building databases mm-hmm. so we could get social content going out. She was uh, learning how to blog. She discovered that she didn't like to blog. <laughs> so that was a good thing. So an internship should also be something where you can say, I absolutely love this, mm-hmm. and no, I do not like this. Exactly. Sure. So now that you've been through it, what are some words of wisdom that you can share with others, people going through either college or their own internships? Um, I would definitely, you know, advise someone to at least take one semester of an internship because there's a lot that you can learn, Um, not only just professionally, but even personally that you can use in day-to-day life. That would be my advice to them. Mm -hmm. What is it that you like the best out of the internship? Um, there's so much to choose, I guess, uh, (laughs) I guess, you know, just getting the realization of, you know, this is really what I want. Some people, they think that they know exactly what they want to do. And then when they try it, you know, like you said, you might not like it. So for me, I ended up liking it even more. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I enjoyed it. And so one of the things that she learned is that she wanted to get involved with a nonprofit. She even was thinking, oh, I want to go and start a program with a nonprofit or maybe start a nonprofit because of that experience. So mm-hmm. that was something that was a, oh, yeah. a good takeaway for her. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights. Thank you. Uh, that, that's definitely going to be worthwhile for other people who are either entering an internship or considering entering an internship. It's mm-hmm. always good to hear Uh, words of advice from someone who's gone through it. So I do appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, and we didn't share this. Where did you graduate? Where did you go to school? Valencia. Wow, how about that? A little shout-out to (laughs) VC Radio. Yeah, yeah, really important to give that little shout-out. And what was your degree? Business management. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic degree to have. 
Yeah. So that's why her experience was a little bit more well-rounded when we were talking. I knew that she wanted to be able to understand the management side and the marketing side of it. So I gave her a lot of skills that were, or tasks that were designed around that type of preference and what her degree was going to be. So that was pretty good. That is Mm -hmm. very good. Yeah. So... Do we not have music today? I'm just no, kind of curious. No, we don't. Okay, so I'm no, like I, missing I, my I, music. I could hum if that would help. No, it's not going to sound the same as uh, Sophie's music. That's, yeah. you know, the Interim Pursuit game music. Yeah. Well, that play, you just didn't hear that when it played. Oh, did so, I miss that? No. It's there. It's there. It was just on a different channel. Okay. So, and then our other little musics, yeah, I left to cable it. it Rats. Didn't bring it with me. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, <laughs> so. maybe we can play it again later if we still have time so that our guests can hear it. We might be able to work something out okay. for that. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So let's go ahead and shift gears, and we're going to talk about how training games, if they can improve our memory or not, or even learning yep. and, our, and our learning habits. So impart your wisdom with us on this. Okay. So... I was looking at how games, I've, I've gone to a conference that's called ITSEC, and it's all about uh, experiential learning through, through um, gaming, whether it's, help me out here. Um, <laughs> well, there's lots of other simulations at ITSEC. There there's go, military combat the training. There, there, there is uh, there's full-scale uh, driving where you have uh, vehicles. Artificial intelligence. Yeah, there's yeah, tons all of, those of stuff. Things. That's yeah. the, those were the words I was looking for. So thank you. Thank you for saving me there. <laughs> so anyway, when I went to that conference, you know, I was going, look at all of the great ways that we see this in the healthcare industry, obviously in defense, in um, every aspect of our life. Now, in the human uh, resources department, there's a trend to start bringing gaming into the actual learning experience. And part of that is using it as little microbyte learning, and that's really where people either have games. So, for example, um, this was a game that was used for training nurses. They had a memory game where they had to look at the game. um, Then it was a surgical board, and they had all types of equipment, and they had to write as much of the pieces of equipment that they would use, whether it was tweezers and gauze and scissors and things like that, and be able to see how much that they could identify that was on the board. And that is supposed to help them with their recognition and being in that crisis mode of an emergency, you know, like a crash cart. Mm. So that was a really interesting uh, game that was there. And they have these other games that are geared towards even the retail space. So it might go through simple little policies and procedures. There's just different ways that games can be included where there's a pretest, the little learning component, and then a post-test, and that's how they measure that. So anyway, one of the articles that I found, it was in Forbes, and I love Forbes magazine, and it was by an individual, a German psychologist named Hermann Ebenhaus from the 19th century, and he was a psychologist that conducted a study on memory loss known as the forgetting curve. I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm. Now... To, we know that, and we probably have all experienced this, that when we forget something, it's like gone. We go to a conference, whether it's a conference or some type of a learning uh, activity, 
even though you're in school, it still applies. Mm -hmm. And you might get out of that setting like a day, two days. And if you are not actually implementing that into your everyday life, you begin to see that you've forgotten what you've learned. And it said 90% of the information that we originally learned is forgotten. That's huge. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you guys, but 90%, that's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. It really shows to me how much repetition we have to have to be able to maintain, like, the ability to speak, right? That would be one. And if you think about how all of the motor skills that we've learned, but even learning languages. So studies showed that training games are the answer to these types of questions. And according to, there's a, a founder of a creative ag agency called Dopamine. His, his name is Gabe Zickman. Um, when employee, employers make their employees work more and there's a fun factor around it. The employees' information retention and skills increased by 40%. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really a lot that you can actually get back into the workplace. So I was thinking about that even more, and I was going, hmm, we're in this setting right now. We have an intern with us, and Jaron is our intern, and he's learning how to be a producer of a show. And so there's this place where every week he has responsibilities and you know, there's a learning process for all of us, you know, no matter what it is that we're doing. For myself, um, I was a financial analyst, a grants administrator and a financial analyst at a really big nonprofit. And I did it for two years, and I went, you know what, that's not what I am. I didn't like it. I didn't find, no matter how much I was doing that work day to day, I didn't necessarily like it. So being able to do work, and if we're using it as games to be able to reinforce that learning is helpful, but maybe there's this place also that when we're learning, we need to be able to see, is this something I really enjoy learning? And is it really something that's going to help me develop even more? So those were my thoughts there, but the article kind of continued, and there's a magazine that I follow a lot. It's called Chief Learning Officer. Media and they did a 12-month study over 6,300 retail associates in the United States and Canada, and they had two different groups that were formed. And in the first group, training games were used to engage employees as part of the training process. And the employees played a game before they were asked to answer some training questions. So it might have been like, you know, what are the opening procedures of the store? How are we supposed to do this? If uh, something happens, an emergency happens in the store, how are you supposed to get your customers out of the store? Mm -hmm. These are things that are important to know, but we don't think about them, right? And the second group, um, the game feature was removed, and the employees and employees were just asked to answer some training questions. Now, you can probably see the difference because we know that when we actually use any type of uh, processes, the more of our senses we use, mm -hmm. the sight, the listening, the actual experiential side of it, it increases the opportunity for learning to stick with us. So the results of the study actually showed that the use of training games in their learning programs actually showed that the employees had a higher learning engagement. The learners with the games were more proactive in logging in more often for training compared to those that did not, and that the learners with the games retained more of the correct training knowledge than those with no game. So I thought that was a really interesting study, and I was kind of wondering here, among all of us in the room, mm -hmm. have you ever had any gaming involved in your training programs or think that it would have helped in anything that you've done? Now, nobody knew this question was coming. No, that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I have. So I was, I was working for a defense contractor, 
And as a defense contractor, every year you have to uh, pass a security audit. And it used to be a very mundane process to go take your security audit test, and it would ask you the same 50 questions, and they just word them differently, and it was just very tiresome. And mm-hmm. it was it was very taxing for HR to get everybody to take the test and take you know take the time to go do this because it was boring. Yeah. We then used one of our own internal products, which was a learning platform that we had, and moved the entire learning or uh, examination and test process into that learning platform, which was more interactive. Mm-hmm. It had pictures, it had sound, and at the end of it, if you passed, you got an achievement certificate. That then it was everybody's in dates, time stamped, and how long it took you in the whole nine yards, and it had a leaderboard. Mm-hmm. So now it became more of a I got my my badge of honor, my achievement unlocked for doing this, and by the way, I got the test done faster than you, and I scored a higher percentage <laughs> than you. So it became more of an internal uh, competition game, and you had you know you could show something off. Rather than just HR knowing that you took and passed the test, mm-hmm. it was so it became more fun for everybody. That sounds like so, a very progressive company. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. It was actually they modeled um, that particular uh, platform, learning platform. It was a test for that learning platform to see if you could actually do something like that, and it was a phenomenal, successful test. Hmm. So and then we have they started doing everything. Like your onboarding was through that. Every so often you would get a, a questions thrown in about our four hundred one k plan. So they started putting a lot of stuff into that format. Hmm. So it was hmm. very fun. Yeah, that is good. Um, that actually shows me that there was a, a lot more application. Now, what did the other employees think about it? Did they like it? For the most part, everybody liked it. There were some people who felt it'd be cheesy, hmm. but. For the most part, all the engineers in that particular company were gamers themselves. So the culture had already lent itself to that outside of a couple of the engineers who weren't gamers. And there's like, oh, this is a waste of my time. Just give me the test on a piece of paper like we used to have it. Mm-hmm. You know, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with the old Scantron days? Like, come on, Grandpa, <laughs> get with the program and let's go. But that wasn't a, maybe five or six people out of a 250-plus person company. Mm-hmm. So a very, very small minority of us, of yeah. them, rather. So in that version, it'd be best to have um, both styles to kind of. Nah, you gotta j- jump in. Ah, okay. Jump <laughs> in. Now the other, the, yeah, the other style was completely eliminated, mm. and everybody went to uh, the e-learning platform for it. So, what about you? Have you experienced any of that in school? I'm kind of curious. I haven't experienced anything in particular. I mean, based off the scenario you're telling me about, as a gamer, I feel like that would be something I actually would enjoy because I feel like. Like uh, in most things in school, like say like since I'm a production major, it's like they always tell you like the theory of doing this and doing that. But even like through the internship, it's like not to say this is a game, but it's like me actually being able to interact with the board to hear like does this sound level sound right? Does this sound a little too low? Should I like, turn down the MIDI? Should I do this? Should I do that? I feel like even that, maybe an internship itself in a way can be a game. It's all about experimentation and finding the best mm-hmm. styles of um, where you can find more success and where you find the least. You know, that's really interesting that you said experience, experiential, because that is what an internship is supposed to be. It's supposed to be highly experiential. And that requires a lot of time and effort on an employer's side to make sure that it is that for the um, student. And so when Aubrey had said, oh, you know, did she, the question was, did you feel like you got thrown to the wolves? And she said yes and no. 
Yeah, part of it is mm-hmm. is that you know if if I'm always telling somebody here do it this way, this way, this way, there's no ability for that person to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's true. And she had to be able to go through that process to be able to make some mistakes. And I know that they will because I make mistakes. And I think that most employers, if they build that, uh, we're human into that part of the equation that we will make mistakes, then people will be a little bit more uh, forgiving Mm -hmm. in that area and go, okay, you know, it's the first time you made a mistake. Don't, you know, you don't want to do it again. Second time you're, it's like, okay. Third time it's okay, dude, we've got to make sure that we're not making a mistake anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. So, there's, but everybody learns at different speeds. How about you, Aubrey? What about you? Did you experience that, um, like it, where you've worked? You've worked at a couple of places, mm-hmm. and I know one of them was a retail place too. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, like, what was the training programs, and was there any gaming involved in it? Maybe not even directly by the actual employer, mm-hmm. but maybe something that was kind of organic in the store where people said, "Okay, let's see if we can pick up clothes really fast," or you know. I mean, I don't think um, I've had any, like, gaming experience at any employers. As part of the training process. Yes, as part of the training. I mean, the actual working, yes, we do have a couple games that we play to keep us, like, attentive and um That the employer motivated. gave you games that were to keep you motivated? Yeah, we, we make our own games. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So it is something that's organic and kind of happened in there. Yes. So it's not training-wise, but, um, you know, we do have this game, like, if you have, we have, like, this weasel squeaking toy. Uh (laughs) And they're like, okay, we're going to set the timer for this amount of seconds, and whoever, um, you know, collected a payment and has the weasel, they get, like, a prize. Oh, that's so fun. (laughs) So, see, gaming got involved in there without Mm -hmm. even uh, really knowing that it was an HR. It wasn't an HR sanctioned thing. Mm -hmm. It's something that was creative and thought up. It was, yeah. By the people there. (laughs) Yeah. Did you you win? Not yet, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. The weasel. Mm, Mm. I'm going to have to remember that one. (laughs) That sounds kind of scary. So there was a couple of other things here in this article, and let me just kind of wrap this article up here. It said training games games arm companies with bite-sized play, points, badges, leaderboards, and rewards. And rewards can go a long way with Mm -hmm. people because we all like to be recognized for something that we do. So even if somebody doesn't something uh, outstanding and you share it on social, that's pretty cool because mm-hmm. people know that you're proud and employers proud of what they contributed. Studies show that short bursts and spaced out training content can help individuals retain information more effectively. And when people cram information they learn all at once, they forget what they learn quickly. So. Cramming before the test, we already know statistically yeah. <laughs> it does not work. And we get all messed up inside of our head. Mm-hmm. So if they learn information over an extended course of time with digestible snippets, then they're able to increase their knowledge up to 50%. So remember, you lose 90% of it in the old school style, but if it's consistent and repetitive, up to 50% of it will continue to maintain. I think that's why they say it takes 21 days to get a good habit. To form a habit, yeah. 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 So something that the Chinese railway system has, has done uh, for their conductors is as they're moving these trains and conducting and driving the trains, when they pass particular signals on the track, 
there are signs underneath it, signal, little um, little signs underneath that will light up, and the conductor has to press the corresponding uh, symbol within the train that lit up underneath that particular sign mm-hmm. as you drove as as they pass it. What they were trying to do was uh, raise the awareness of the conductors as to in what's going on in their environment, which they succeeded to do. The, the conductors are having a much more enjoyable time doing their job. They're not just getting bored behind the wheel, so to speak. But it also reduced any kind of accident rates by up to 85%. Holy cow. It was an amazing thing that they had done. That is. Just by having that little bit of interaction between the conductor and his environment. And where was so this? In China. That oh. makes so, so much sense. I was going to say Japan, actually, but, you know, that really, they're very progressive in how they think that way and uh, in, in those cultures, and that is amazing to me. So it wasn't just like, there's a sign, let me press a button. It was, there's a sign, this is the symbol that lit up under it, I have to press the corresponding symbol here. So there was thought process. Mm-hmm. So it really kept them more alert and attentive, so it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Very good, very good. So the gamification continues. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, um, and I want to give a little shout-out. So the Interim Pursuit game, tomorrow night, I am going to Indianomicon, their meetup, and I'm doing a demo of it out there. And I hear that there's, like, anywhere from 60 to 100 people in the room, nice. and it's down at the Orlando Public Library. I think it starts at 6 is when I'm supposed to be there. Downtown of the Melrose Center, isn't it? Yeah. Is yeah, that, second floor. I have not I haven't been to Indianomicon in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually have something going on on Thursday nights. Mm. So it usually com- conflicts with other other tidbits of stuff that I'm doing, so. So a little shout out if somebody wants to that's listening or going to watch this later as it's recorded, um, want to come out to the Orlando Public Library at the Melrose Center, six o'clock uh, to nine. They'll be able to see the demo of Interim Pursuit. And they'll be able to play it also. Um, I'm going to hand out little slips that will have where to find it and a form so that we can collect information. We want to make sure that we're getting um, good information to improve our game. It's a demo. And I will tell you, you can actually go to internpursuit.com. You can look for the label that says IP game. You can download it. But sadly, it is not for Mac. It is only for PCs. So you can choose your character, male or female. They're both previous interns that have been working with me. Um, Breezy is one character. That's the character's name, and that's Brittany. And she's going to be on our show here. And then the other one is Del, and he's Delvin. He graduated from Full Sail. So uh, that's why they're in the game. They were extra special and a part of that process. They turn into superheroes in the game when they go through a portal and they fight aliens throughout galaxies. So we have two levels for people to play. Now, that's not an educational game. It's just pure entertainment. And it's just because I like super- superheroes and, you know, fun fun things like that. <laughs> so a little plug, shameless plug. Well, I hope me and Aubrey someday get added to your game. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, yeah, because it's going to be like a big deal to be a, an added character in the game. True. Yeah. But until then, let's talk about our sponsor number two, BMDM Marketing Agency. BMDM is a direct marketing agency focused on helping companies reach individuals through online and offline means. Their newest product enables them to send postcards or letters to the homes of anonymous website visitors within 24 hours of their visit using a patented IP matching technology and our in-house on-demand printing. You can find them at bmdm.com. Thank you, BMDM Marketing Agency. 
That's very good. You do that so well. <laughs> oh, thank you. I've been trying. I've been trying. Yeah. <laughs> I've been practicing. practicing. I can see that. Yeah, that's a very cool technology they have. So it's yeah. definitely worth checking them out. Uh, to be able to touch your customers or potential customers in a way that's unexpected by getting mail at their house mm-hmm. is just fantastic. So. Yeah. And it's really kind of amazing how they do that because um, it's it's business intelligence is really how they use that. Um, a person, a, a viewer, can go to a website. They would be able to look at it and see, oh, you know, I like this product, whatever the product is. And then they can get actually something in the mail, and they'll know exactly what that person um, may look like, their gender, everything about them. So it's amazing technology. That's innovation to me. It's like they know what I, who I am before I've even talked to anybody. Yeah, it's like I, I really didn't know I needed this, but I really need this in my life. Yeah, I might need that uh, motorcycle or I might need yeah. that, that car, whatever. Yeah, exactly. And actually, Chuck is going to be a guest on our show oh, fantastic. In, in February. So Awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward to talking to them. Yeah. That's going to be kind of neat. That's going to be good. So we're going to shift gears a little differently here. We're going to get uh, kind of personal. Uh, Miss Aubrey here is going to share some stuff uh, on a very personal level. Uh, with us, and we have some some intriguing questions. You have lupus. Mm-hmm. So what is lupus? Lupus is an immune system disorder. Um, instead of your immune system protecting your body, it actually attacks tissues like your lungs, your heart. It can ta- attack any part of your body. So N- it's very unpredictable. Okay. is it? But is it manageable? It is. If you, um, you know, see... The doctor regularly and keep on top of it. You have to manage your diet, though, right? Mm-hmm. And do all kinds of stuff. Yes. Yeah. You have to stay out of the sun. I mean, there's some restrictions um, that can make it go worse. So, is lupus contagious? It's not contagious. Um, it. They don't really know. You know how it's not genetic. It's not hereditary. They don't really know why you get it. But they do say like a majority of people like Asian, you know, certain ethnicities, they do get it compared to other ethnicities. There's more of a propensity for them. Mm -hmm. Now, is this something like, has it limited you at all? I mean, I know you said that you can't sit out in the sun a lot Mm -hmm. and you have to watch what you eat. Yeah. But give me some examples of how, if if it has limited you at all. Mm -hmm. Well, um, one good example is um, a trip that I made up north to um, Illinois. It was around November, and it was cold outside. And I learned um, after being hospitalized that my body couldn't tolerate being in the cold. So um, it's something, you know, it's like a learning process. So now she can't go snow skiing. That's what she's (laughs) learned. She has to stay inside if you're in the cold. You Uh you can't be out in the cold for how long? What was the... I mean... um, Obviously, you could go and do some things, but mm-hmm. you just can't stay out in the Yes, cold I would say... For long periods of time. Yeah. have to limit that. Now, are there... Is there, uh, like, a medication regime that you put... That, you, that you're on, or a regimen, rather? Uh, yes. So, the primary um, medication that I take is called Plaquenil. Um, and that's basically standard for everybody that has lupus. And then, um, sometimes they'll prescribe you, if you're having, like, a really moderate or severe, you know, stage, because they're different stages, um, they would give you uh, steroids 
or other, you know, depending on what body is affected. Dill. What part of the body? Yes. So you said stages. Do you mean like it can flare up, for lack of a better term? Yes. It can get really worse or it can, you know, be a mild. And, you know, it can fluctuate up and down. There's really not like a set, you know, time timeline that it can stay severe or moderate. It's more of an unpredictable type of Very thing. much so. Yeah. So what are some symptoms? If we had someone who didn't know that they might even have lupus, what would be some signs and symptoms that might they may want to go speak to their doctors about? Definitely if you find yourself getting sick often a lot, because um, that was my first. But when you say first. sick, what is the sick? Is it head sick, tummy sick? Well, it's what sick is it? just like catching a cold a lot more frequently than normal. Because that's what I, when I first started the stages, I was getting sick a lot and I didn't know why. And it's your immune system. It's not, you know, protecting your body from getting sick. So that's like the first sign that you should be alert. Um, if you have like a lot of swelling and like, you know, a lot of fevers, that's also another symptom. For me, I get like a rash on my face. Um, if, you know, with lupus, you feel like you have the flu every day. You have a lot of joint pains, a lot of aches. Is there a fever? You do get a fever um, from time to time, so you do have to keep watch of that. Um, that's one of their symptoms as well. Hmm. So it doesn't sound like it's something that um, you may not recognize right away. Mm -hmm. You know, because if it's masking itself as a flu, mm -hmm. then it might take a little while for it to be discovered. Yes. Yeah. Or if you just, you might think, well, I'm just sick all the time. Uh -huh. right. exactly. So you may not go and, and seek and, you know, see, see a doctor. Because if you just think, well, you know, my stomach was upset today or I had mm -hmm. a headache or had a fever, you might just dismiss that. Mm -hmm. And so you get like really sick and then go to the doctor with the flu or whatnot. Exactly. So, so how long did it take your doctor to figure out what you had? It took three years. Three oh, years. Wow. Yes. That's wow. awful. I was, I was getting sick a lot in the hospital to the point that I was spending weeks at a time at the hospital. And they did some blood work, you know, to see why do you keep getting sick. It was really severely sick. And um, in the blood work, they did it three times, and it showed up lupus in my blood. Um, and so that's when they started, you know, treating me for the lupus. And how long have you had it, if you don't mind me asking? I was diagnosed in 2013. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how long do you think it took for that? How long do you think that learning curve was for you to actually like understand how to manage it? I am still under trying to understand how to manage it. Um, you know, it's very. I've lived my whole life, you know, a certain way, and then you know, being sick out of nowhere, and having to make some adjustments and changes. You know, like oh, you can't go to the beach as much as you used to. It's still, you know. A learning curve. Curve, yeah. Yeah. So lots of rest. It's pretty. It sounds like it's usually treated the way that we mm -hmm. usually treat flu. So she has to get a lot of rest. She has to eat. We we talk about this a lot. Um, <laughs> so like, what did you eat? So sugar is really bad for us. Mm -hmm. We already mm -hmm. know that. Yeah. Right? But that is one of those uh, trigger foods, that, or it's not even a food, but trigger foods, we'll say, mm -hmm. that can actually cause a lot of flare-ups. And so yes. we were talking, and I found a meetup, and it was specifically for individuals with in some type of uh, immune disorders. And I think, have you gone to that meetup? I haven't yet, but yeah, I'm definitely I haven't made interested. It either. Yeah. 
So that's like a really nice support group where people yeah. can learn more about what it is, whatever. The, and there's different types of immune disorders mm-hmm. that people can have. Lupus is just one of them. So. so as an employee, do you work with your employer? Does your employer understand what you go through and that you may just not be able to make it into work on a moment's notice? Mm-hmm. Thank goodness that my employer is completely understanding. Um, you know, he actually said that his mom suffers from it, and he's watched her suffer, and he, so he's completely understanding and compassionate about it and my situation. That's fantastic because a lot of times you get in a situation where you you are required to be, mm-hmm. you know, behind your desk 24, not 24-7, but, yes. <laughs> you know, 8 to 5 regardless. Yep. And if you miss a day or three or whatever, then they're going to start looking for your replacement. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, you're blessed to have a position that they understand that in. Definitely. So that's very, very good. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you know, for our listening audience, if you feel like you these symptoms sound familiar, you can go check out lupus.org. Uh, you can also go there and you can join the fight with them to contribute uh, some funds if you have any available to help research uh, to hopefully help people who suffer from lupus and get them back in the workforce and back mm-hmm. having a quote-unquote normal life. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, being compassionate about that and empathy are, you know, they're two different types of uh, emotions that we have, but it's really important to be able to understand. Basically, everybody has something wrong with yeah. them, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and if we remember that, again, we're humans. Um, will be more understanding of what it is that that particular person is going through. It may not be the same as me, but it's still something, and it, we need to be cognizant of it. Yeah. So let me turn it again back when you were uh, working with an intern. Mm-hmm. Were Was something like that ever brought up, like, if they called in sick, you're like, I get it, I mm-hmm. understand. Were you able to... As, as Isabella just said, were you able to take your own experiences and project them on or, you know, use that in your internship or with your intern underneath you? Um, definitely. Um, I am, you know, in the job that I work, I do come across, you know, many elderly people that they're going through medical situations, even though it's not the exact same as mine. So I definitely understand, like, their position and what they're going through. And it's not even lupus, so it's just something yeah, just something yeah. else. But yes. again, it's it's the human condition we all have, mm-hmm. and so being able to empathize with somebody is very, very important. So I commend you for that, definitely. Mm-hmm. So I know that um, maybe we can talk about something that's more light. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to go back to the idea of innovation. Okay. And, and discuss that, and the. 10 starters. Oh, so down at Canvas or inside a starter studio, um, they're going to be bringing in these 10 new starters. And they have all different types of uh, innovative thoughts and, and, and products and services that they want to bring in. Some are around VR is what I heard. And then mm-hmm. there were some others that have something that's a medical product. And they haven't disclosed the, the what the companies are or who they are or what the products are, but they've said that these are going to be some really game-changer type of um, products and services. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. Um, one of the best things about Canvas is that they offer so many great services to help us explore what those options are. And a little, little announcement, too, they're going to be changing their names. So you may not have known that. 
Um, they are rebranding, so it's going to be under a, uh, a new name. I can't give too many details out. They're having their February 22nd is their launch of their new brand. So they've already been providing the teasers that I've shared in their social, social feed, so there's nothing there um, that couldn't be announced. But nonetheless, if you come down, there's going to be a new name over there. The programs will have a different type of a name, and it's to bring all of the, um, the services together. So in that space of innovation, has anybody else seen anything that's really cool and innovative out there? Hmm. Orlando wise or just well yesterday or no Monday um, Jerron and I were talking and we were going I was looking on a website to see what's the latest in the things of innovation and one of the things that I saw was a vehicle that had fruits and vegetables in it to me I'm going oh, to have it. Yeah. <laughs> and it would just like drive right up and then you pick it right off so it's like yeah. a vendor on a street uh, as a matter of fact like, in my previous job at Thermo King we serviced that vehicle to make sure that when those fruits and vegetables showed up they were still refrigerated Oh, wow. nice. So we saw they came in quite often. So, you know, with different vehicles, some of the trucks were in uh, their recycled school buses sometimes. Now, were those driverless vehicles? No, they were not. Okay. No, they were not so driverless. there was somebody driving yeah. it. Somebody okay. driving it. Yeah, basically, it, they're bringing the farm to the inner city. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like a, a farmer's market on wheels. Oh, nice. So they're very, very cool. They get in places where some people may not have the ability to get out and get to somewhere where they can get fresh uh, fresh food, fruit and vegetables. Food deserts. Yeah. They call those food deserts. And, and so now we can drive it right out to them. Yeah, those are very cool. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Kind of reminds me of uh, old school, what was it, bookmobiles. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have oh, those, but goodness. apparently we yeah. bring the food to you. Yeah. So it's a bigger Uber. <laughs> so I thought that that was an, an interesting thing. And then what else, uh, Jerron? We saw something else that was on there, and it was like underwater. It was oh, drones. drones. Yeah. Underwater drones. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sitting here going, okay, that just sounds like a submarine to me. So I don't see how it's different, but is, is it like, do you know what that well, is? Well, it's unmanned, for one. Okay. Which is automatically a lot safer, yeah. especially considering we don't really – like when it comes to the ocean, that's something we still don't really know as a civilization because mm -hmm. we haven't really explored it. So to have something like a drone that is unmanned, I feel like we would learn a lot more about just the world itself. So it's got a camera on it, and mm -hmm. it's looking around the wherever it is in the depths of the ocean. Yeah, I mean, we already have a lot of underwater uh, unmanned submersibles, but when you – you insert the word drone, it's, it's smaller in nature. Mm -hmm. So to be able to do smaller tasks uh, – taking a quick survey underneath the boat to check out the bottom of the hull, for instance. It would be a great oh, okay. application I, okay. for a drone to that. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, looking at the rotors at the back of it, seeing if, there's, if they're chipped. There's a lot of things that could do that sometimes they used to put a diver in the water for. Mm -hmm. So now you don't have to do that. You don't have to put a, a person in the water to go look at anything. And the smaller aspect of the drone means your cost will go down. So now you don't need an underwater submersible UAV to go under there and look for things. You can just send a small underwater drone. Interesting. Okay, now see, you brought up some points that I actually had not thought about, and so that's, <laughs> that's helpful for me because I'm going, 
I don't know. What am I doing? I'm just throwing it in the water, and it's just like swimming around like a fish. <laughs> sure. In fact, it probably has some that look like fish. With yeah, them. Mm-hmm. Well, and then if I'm putting it in the water, I'm now thinking because of what you said. I'm going. How could there not be a bigger fish that comes? Oh, it's something to eat, and then eat the drone. Now that's a lot of technology. That's interesting. Ways. They have to need to be shark proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Shark proof or whatever kind of fish that might go and do that. Whales. Little, whales are not always giant. There are some smaller ones. Yeah. Don't know. Maybe just either lights might scare it. Like instead of uh, the bioluminescence that fish yeah. use, maybe there's just some LEDs on around this thing that scare fish away. I don't yeah. know. Or maybe some kind of a sonar that keeps them irritates away. them. That yeah. would be bad though. But we already have enough problem with noise pollution in the oceans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a huge whole another story that 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 we don't have time to dive into. It's probably not the right format for it anyhow. So. <laughs> no, it's dive not. into. I see what you're doing. That's true. That was jokes. funny. You're very quick. <laughs> yep. Um, so those were some of the innovative things that I, I had that were standing out to me when I, we were doing a search to just see, like, what's what's out there. So, so I got the opportunity to work with a local maker group mm-hmm. uh, over at um, – what was the event of the Science Center a couple of weeks ago? Otronicon. Otronicon, thank you. And uh, this is the Maker Effects group, and they had a very cool setup there with 24 cameras. Very, very small cameras. That's a lot of cameras. Very small ones, though, that run off of what's called a Raspberry Pi, which is a very small computer. Uh-huh. And these 24 cameras were set up in a circle above you, pointing down at you. So you went into a big, large circle that you could fit, I mean, larger than the table that, that we have in front of us here. This was a large sphere that you walked into with curtains all around it. And it counted down, three, two, one. All 24 cameras then took a picture at that exact same time. And then they stitch it together into a movie. And when you see your movie, you see yourself rotating around. Oh, wow. Even though you were you know, stable, standing one position, mm-hmm. it shows you from all the way around. like Kind of like the Matrix. So it's bullet time cameras, <laughs> what they're called. Hmm. And what was neat about it is you tell people three, two, one, and they would jump. And like you have the hair, so your hair would go up, and then you'd have a 360 degree picture of yourself jumping and your hair going crazy. Or <laughs> one guy jumped up in the air and dabbed. I think it's the first aerial dab I've ever seen, and hopefully the last aerial dab I'll ever see. So somebody else was at Otronicon, and actually, our, our guests that will be coming up on the 14th, uh, Hunter Kelly and Jose. Uh, Contreras, they were at Otronicon with their product, and um, Hunter was doing, I don't know if you saw this, where he was pretending he was a weatherman. Oh, yeah, I've seen that over there with the, with the, the green screen or the blue screen yeah. that they have. Yes. Yeah, that looked like a lot of fun. I missed Otronicon this year, but it, it, it is so much fun. You get to see anything that's super fun. They have little R, what is it, R2, D2 Yep, R2 Club, uh, yeah. Yeah, so their the little robots are driving around throughout the place, and you can play just about any game you can imagine. What I like about it, I was there for a couple of days, and what I really like about it is when you go into – uh, the medical section, mm-hmm. and they've got these huge robotic arms that they're letting kids. These are million plus dollar robotic arms, like like extremely down to like they're performing surgeries on people. Wow! And they're letting kids like pick up like little whatever's like popcorn kernels and cutting things with it, and they're just playing this video game. And it's so 
Did they bring these big robotic yes, arms in? Yes, they did. And so how are they? the kids doing this? That There's like a smaller console? There's a the console. That they, it's, just like, it's like a video game for them. And so oh. they're playing on a small console. They, 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 they learn it real quick, and now they're looking at a screen. They're not looking at the actual arm and hand doing anything. They're looking at a screen in front of them playing a little video game. And meanwhile, this thing's doing a surgical procedure. So they're training. See, they're training it goes back yep, to that sure article. Does. They're training them to be our surgeons in the yeah. future. Mm-hmm. But there was also something that um, in those innovation things where robots are now doing surgery. And see, mm-hmm. that takes it back. I'm saying, no, I don't want a robot. The, the driverless, <laughs> yeah. You don't want the doctorless surgery is what you're saying. <laughs> no, I don't. I want to know that there's a person, that there's like somebody I'm connecting with. Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Hopefully someone's always going to be there making decisions at the time. Mm-hmm. So, Oh. Oh, we have a visitor. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. And if it's going to be over here, yeah. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be out in enough time, yeah. Yeah, we'll be ready. So, okay, so that's our little reminder that we have uh, somebody that's coming in. Yeah, we get bumped around. Yeah, (laughs) we are. So it looks like we're going to be wrapping up our show now. Yeah, it's a good time to do it. Yeah, it is. So we're coming down here. We have, oh, this is my turn over here. I want to give a special shout-out to Valencia College for their um, programs that they have here. I love the school. I didn't graduate from here, but I tell you, I love the school as much as the school that I graduated from. And I want to also say a special thank thanks to John Q, the director of the whole program. He does so much to keep everything running for us here. But Valencia College, that's where our radio program is run out of, the East Campus, has state-of-the-art social broadcasting studio, a great atmosphere, knowledgeable staff, a fantastic environment to produce it in, and easy equipment to learn. However, I haven't tried to learn it. Yet. We'll get you over here next week. Okay. Yeah, we'll okay. The we'll switch try. spots. All right. Remember, it takes a lot of time to learn. Sure, it that. does. Aubrey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank Thanks you for, for having me. Really sharing a lot of, of of your life with us. Really do appreciate that. My pleasure. Got any shout outs to anybody out there who might be listening? Uh, my mom, my dad, my husband. Um, thank you guys for letting me come here. Mm-hmm. It was an honor. Yep, I'm super thankful that you're here. And I also want to say thank you to Andy and Jerome for being here. Yeah, you make the show flow so much smoother. Thank you. Well, thank you, guys. We try. (laughs) All righty. So uh, we have, can we go out with the music? Yeah, of course. Okay, our intern pursuit game music. And we will see you guys next week. All right, thank you. This has been the Intern Whisperer. Thank you, and see you next week.